As we were finishing up, Mark, um, and Ryan, I, I think probably what you're thinking of is like the resurrection encounters that the disciples had with Jesus and worshiping him face to face. I just, I just, just kind of struck me that um, the great commandment, we talk about the great commission, go to all the nations with the, you know, make disciples, but there's also the great commandment. Great commandment includes loving your neighbor as yourself. And so I just wanted us to take about three weeks and just talk about the art of neighboring. There's a really good book written by Jay Pathick and David Runyon about the, uh, the, the art of neighboring. If you want to, it's a, it's a fun read. It's a good read. Um, but I want us to kind of, to, just to kind of explore that a little bit. Partly because there, there's this, this, this city that is just exploding around us. And so uh, I just, I can't think of anything better for us than to be good neighbors and really serve the people that keep pouring into our cities. So that's, that's really what's behind what we're doing. Now, the place I start is in John. The word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. The whole understanding of neighborhood and neighbor has changed because of Jesus. I, 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 just, want to, I just want to keep reminding us. Everything that we read in the Old Testament is changed to something better by Jesus. And this would be one of those. I mean... Our world will never be the same because Jesus moved into the neighborhood. And these individuals saw the glory. They saw the glory of God with their own eyes, the one of a kind glory, like father, like son. You see Jesus, you see the father. They saw that. Their neighborhood was never the same. Generous inside and out, true from start to finish. True from start to finish. We can't say that about too many people in life. But this one we can. So our neighborhoods, as we begin to explore who is our neighbor, remember that one of your neighbors is God himself. He's moved into your neighborhood. He's there. You don't have to ask him to be there. He's there. He doesn't need permission to be there. It's his. He's there. Now, the most important commandment we learned from Mark, a religious scholar came up, hearing the lively exchange between Jesus and other religious leaders. He saw that Jesus was really sharp in his answers. And so this was his question. Which is the most important of all the commandments? Now, thinking that you might not remember that, I would just ask you, if you were given the opportunity to ask Jesus, you know, which is the most important, what would you be thinking? What would you think is the most important commandment? Okay, you're remembering that. If you didn't have that written, would that be it? That was hard, isn't it? Well, that's okay. I mean, because Jesus' answer is the first in importance is listen. Listen, Israel. The Lord your God is one. So love the Lord your God with all your passion and prayer and intelligence and energy. And here's the second, love your neighbor as yourself. There's no other commandment that ranks with these. 
So Jesus is saying what seems to be two commandments to really one. So you, 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 wanna, you want to listen to what God's revealed, love me, and at the same time, out of that, love the people around you. They're, they're linked together. They, they can't be separated. So there was a similar conversation in Luke. And there was another religious scribe, and this is always a giveaway, looking for a loophole. Religious people look for loopholes. They look for an out. So this expert in Jewish law said, well, who is my neighbor? So that's my question to you. How would you, how would you define neighbor? Who is your neighbor? Anybody you come in contact with. Anybody you come in contact with. Anyone around you. The burnups, they're, they're on top of things this morning. Anybody else? The people that are in your sphere. That's another way of saying it. Great. Anyone else? Can you personalize? Like one of my neighbors is Ralph. Another neighbor of mine is Carla. People around you. I mean, like literally neighbors as well. At the time that Jesus is having this conversation, the debate as to the definition of neighbor was in full swing. So it's, it's not like religious people in Israel had not been talking about what does neighbor mean. There was a big debate at the time of Jesus. And the, us, the usual exposition of the commandment, so the, oh, okay, this is what God means by what God is saying. God means to say, thou shalt love thy compatriot, but needs not love thy personal enemy. So that's the standard understanding of neighbor in Israel at the time of Jesus. We Israelis love each other, but we don't need to love anybody else. So no need to love the Romans. There's no need to love the Samaritans. There's no need to love the people of Phoenicia or Iturea or Decapolis or Perea or Idumea. You know, love our neighbors. That does, no, that's not, that's not the people around us. Then if you look at the map, you know, Jesus visited those areas and did ministry announcing and demonstrating the kingdom of God to the people that the, the regular Jew did not consider to be people they loved. So in Jesus' day, love only your compatriot. Love only Jews that live in Galilee and Judea or in the diaspora. That would be outside of Galilee and Judea. Jews that live in North Africa or are moving up into Asia Minor. You can, you can love all the Jews, but you don't need to love anybody else. So by their interpretation of the Old Covenant, Jews were not required in Jesus' day to love their enemies, or to love the people groups that lived on their borders. They just loved each other. Well, what about us? We could probably have a conversation about that today. A little bit in the news. Modern humanity, especially since the Enlightenment, 
is mostly inclined to think that the neighbor is one's fellow human being. So, little different than what you all said. It's just like, well, we're supposed to just love everybody. What's that tick from? Where'd that come from? Okay. So, it, anybody want? I mean, does that did that come to anybody's mind that when you love your neighbor, you just, that just means we're supposed to love fellow human beings? It, that came to. Ryan's an honest soul. Yeah, that came to my mind. Okay. Well, the Burnups and the Smiths were a little closer. And the reason is that, that the Greek word has to do uh, with something that is particular, not general. It's actually an adverb that is used as a noun. And that adverb means near or close by. So to love your neighbor is to love somebody that is in your sphere or somebody that you're close to, somebody that you run into, somebody that you have an encounter with, another human being that you encounter along life's way. Now, the encounter that Jesus builds his case on, is, it follows the question, who is my neighbor? Remember this? There was once a man traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho. On the way, he was attacked by robbers. They took his clothes, beat him up, and went off leaving him half dead. Luckily, a priest was on his way down the same road. But when he saw him, he angled across to the other side. Then a Levite religious man showed up. He also avoided the injured man. A Samaritan man, traveling the road, came upon him. And when he saw the man's condition, his heart went out to him. He gave him first aid, disinfecting and bandaging his hands, his wounds. Then he lifted it onto his donkey, led him to an inn, made him comfortable. And in the morning, he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take good care of him. If it costs any more, put it on my bill. I'll pay you on my way back. Now, what do you think? Which of these three, the priest, the Levite, or the Samaritan, became a neighbor to the man attacked by the robbers? The one who treated him kindly. He couldn't even say Samaritan. (laughs) The religious scholar responded, and Jesus said, go and do the same. See, the question, how can we become a neighbor of those we encounter, is really, it's not who is my neighbor. The question really is, am I the neighbor of those I encounter? Am I the neighbor of those that I encounter? These are some thoughts, just to think it over. Too good not to share with you. If we want to know precisely who we are to love and not love, who is my neighbor, who do I love, who do I not love, we are asked concerning this supposed love, 
which we would want to dole out so economically, when, when should it burst forth with irresistible force and go to work? So if you're going to be one of those people like this religious scholar, you know, I'm going to define my neighbors, some I'm going to love, others I'm not going to love, then, I mean, you're getting the question, wait a minute. There's this, this love that starts to spring up. How, how, how are you going to control that? Or another way, by nature, love is not primarily act. It's being. God is love. He is. We are the children of God. We are love. Now, from that love springs action because God is love. He's merciful. He's compassionate. He's caring. He's patient. So there is action that flows out of that being. But Jesus is saying love has to do with being. Not just acts. One cannot define one's neighbor. One can only be a neighbor. Do you see what Jesus is doing? Again, just with religious people, he's just turning the scales. The religious people in Jesus' day, and I would dare to say that the religious people in our day, they want to identify, I'm going to love that group, I'm going to love that group, I'm going to love that group, but I don't need to love anybody else. And Jesus is saying, that's not even the question. The question is, are you going to be a neighbor to everyone that you encounter regardless of what group they're from. Will we be a community that neighbors the people that we encounter, regardless of who they are? That's that's really what Jesus brings us to. So when you start talking about how do we become transformed into the likeness of Jesus, then we're transformed into his likeness when we become neighbors who love by our actions those that we encounter. And we can't help but do that because we're loved. And from that, that love, God loving us, it, it's got to go somewhere. And so it springs this irresistible force that begins to spring out of us as we encounter people around us, regardless of who they are. So it's really, it, I mean, it becomes, okay, Holy Spirit, help us. Come, Holy Spirit, help us. Number one, fill our hearts with the love of God. You remember this, this verse in Romans? God's love has been poured into our hearts Through the Holy Spirit. And I don't see that just as this one-time event. I mean, once I said, yes, Jesus, I want to follow you, I think that the Holy Spirit began to say, I'm going to pour God's love into your heart. And I'm going to keep doing that. And I'm going to keep doing that. I'm going to keep doing that. And yeah, I do think that I can say, Holy Spirit, come. Come and fill me with God's love. I, 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 I want... 
I want to know. I want to experience the love of God. I want to be filled with the love of God. I want to be loved. I'm the beloved. That's who we are. And the love which springs forth from being love is quite incapable of asking about any limits. See, the limitless love of God that's poured into our heart knows no limits as we begin to extend that love to the people that we encounter. That's why Jesus didn't say, love your enemy. So it's impossible to do that without God's love, limitless love coming into us. Come, Holy Spirit. Set us free from any fear of the other sown into our minds by upbringing or education or political persuasion or media or incorrect biblical interpretations. I know, I'm not totally naive, I know that all of our lives have been seeded with all kinds of fears. You can't miss that. If you, if you read the news today or listen to news, you, you can't miss that there are, there are these fears of others that are being poured into our lives. And I mean, I'm not the only one that discerns that. And I'm, I'm not alone in that. So that, that, can, that can hit a place in us that we hold on to. And then we become fearful of other people. And, and sometimes that's like totally unconscious. But the Holy Spirit can set us free from that. Because we're, we're not meant to be people that, again, put up these boundaries between us and others. We're meant to be, a, we, we represent this kingdom that is all-inclusive that really does love everybody, that really does long for reconciliation between everybody on the planet. We're part of this process. So Holy Spirit, set us free. Perfect love casts out all fear. Holy Spirit, open our eyes to those who are nearby, who we regularly encounter in day-to-day living. You know, one of... One of the memories I log away from life is when I went to UT uh, in, in years ago. Uh, one of the sad things that was happening at UT is that students were jumping off the tower, committing suicide. And that happened several times. I was only there two years, but it happened so many times they closed the tower. So what? What I don't, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't remember what's the distress. So that's going on. The other thing that was going on was um, the Shah in Iran was being overthrown, and so the Iranian students were walking around with plastic sacks on their head, uh, wanting the Shah to be removed. So those were some of the dynamics of what was happening. And I just remember walking around the campus, 50,000 people on that campus. Nobody said hello to each other. It was a rare occasion that you would walk across that campus and and see somebody eye to eye and say hello. Now, I I came from Amarillo. Everybody on the high plane says hello. What's that mean? (laughs) 
We're a little contentious in our family. Uh, her message is, I could have gone to Tech, and they were friendlier at Tech, instead of going to Austin, UT. Anyway, family business. We'll take care of that later. But it's so, I mean, people's eyes were downcast. People didn't look at each other. People did not. They were afraid of each other. 50,000 people. I just, that just logged in my brain. Wow, what's going on here? We, we can keep our eye, we can see, but not see. Holy Spirit, open our eyes so that we see those that are nearby us who we are regularly encountering in our day-to-day living. And then open our eyes to the condition of those we tend to avoid. See, the religious in the story, the priest and Levite, they saw that person's need and they chose to avoid. I don't want to get my hands dirty. I'm just going to pass by. And they had, there's something, I mean, how do you not have compassion? How do you not feel for another human being on the road Bleeding, naked, obviously in trouble. How do you, as a person of faith, how do you how do you pass that person by? I mean, what's going on inside of that heart? That's a pretty hard heart. Open our eyes to the condition of those we tend to avoid. And let us feel compassion moving us to action. I'll, I'll, again, just memories of ways to illustrate. We were on our way to Phoenix to a national conference. And we're carpooling. And we've got Megan and Victor and Jonah and Justin, Susan and I. And we're traveling down the highway. And I'm driving. And we're getting close to two, outside of Tucson, which is pretty flat. So I'm driving down the four-lane highway. In like this most bizarre thing. This car, which was, I mean, straight highway. All of a sudden, this Suburban with this trailer just went whoop. I mean, like right turn, off the road, turning over. I mean, it was like, oh my, did I just see? I mean, we were like, it was like right there. So uh, we stopped. We didn't just keep driving. Somebody will, you know, we stopped. And I will never forget Jonah. Running down the hill, it's a it's Spanish-speaking family in that suburban. Fortunately, they had their seatbelts on, so they were bruised and battered and bleeding. And Jonah jumps in the back seat of that car and, and starts talking to them in Spanish, and his hands are getting bloody, and he's doing, he's doing everything he can to comfort them and care for them. There's no way he wasn't going to help these human beings that he encountered. That to me is just going to stick with me as this illustration of a person whose eyes are open to the condition of somebody feeling compassion moving to action. Now, I would suggest to you that there are car wrecks happening around us all the time. So keep, we need to keep our eyes open. And we need to keep our hearts open in a place where we're ready to feel mercy and compassion that move us to act. 
Who is my neighbor? Is not the question. The question is, am I becoming the neighbor that the people I encounter need? Would you like to stand with me? And let's, let's pray some of this. I mean, this doesn't, this doesn't happen just automatically, I don't think. So let's start with a real safe place. Holy Spirit, we want to be full of the love of God. Holy Spirit, we want to know that we are loved. So, so based upon the promise to us in Romans 5, would you please come, Holy Spirit, and pour the love of God into our hearts? Just, just I mean, just like you, you know, like you're under a refreshing flow of water. Just let the Holy Spirit fill each heart with God's love. God loves you. There is no debate about that. He loves you. He's demonstrated his love towards you. He loves you. Holy Spirit, take away any lie that, again, with so many of us have been told lies about ourselves, that we're not lovable, but that's not true. Would you please take away those lies? Fill us with God's love. Holy Spirit, as you fill us with God's love, set us free. Set us free from fears. just want to invite you, just again, just take a moment to allow the Holy Spirit to identify within you any fear that's seeded that's rooted, that's keeping you from loving other people. Expose those fears, Holy Spirit. Let your perfect love cast out all fear. Silence the voices of those that tell us that we should be fearful. Silence the images that we see that seem to say that we should be fearful. Holy Spirit, set us free. And finally, Holy Spirit, give us a new vision. Open our eyes. We want to see those that are nearby. Holy Spirit, we want to see the condition of those that we tend to avoid. We ask for compassion and mercy for others flowing through us. Holy Spirit, we want to become a community that is a neighbor in the truest sense to the people around us. Would you empower us to be that? And would you empower the actions that would demonstrate that in your name. Amen.
I think my last encouragement uh, to us is that I think the thing that may be undermining our lives is our fears. So, if you, you know, if you're struggling with fears, just let somebody know. Just If that's really hard not to be fearful of others, uh, please uh, don't just keep that bottled up. And there are people in this room you can share that with. We can talk about that. We can pray about that. You have people in your home you can talk about. Uh, we, we, just, we need to be set free from fear. So that's my encouragement. Beyond that, enjoy this beautiful day. And thank you for our morning together.